0: It's great to see everyone this morning. It's great to be able to worship together and to, uh, to open his word together. And I pray that the Lord will bless us and speak to us right where we're at this morning. Um, we're continuing on in the sermon series in, in the book of Acts. And so this morning we're going to be taking a look at Acts chapter 16. So if you, would, uh, if you have a Bible... Uh, and if you don't, pull one from the pew in front of you, turn with me to Acts chapter 16. And, and while you're turning there, I want to just uh, ask uh, just a real general question. How many of you here like to travel? Who likes to get out of town, go places, go see grandma, see something different? Um, likes to travel, Yeah. Most of you, right? I know the harvesters are going on a Grand Canyon trip in another week or so uh, together, and so we pray that that will be a blessing. Um, but in your travels, when you've traveled before, have you, ever, have you ever been unexpectedly blocked, rerouted, detoured from your destination, not able to go where you want to go? How many have had that experience? As well. Yeah, a, a lot of people, right, in your, in your travels. Um, I have, and, and, and I'll share a story that I've shared before um, here at church. And several years ago, I, was, um, I went to a missions conference in St. Louis, and uh, it was, should have been a pretty easy flight. Um, my family dropped me off in the afternoon at LAX, and I was supposed to go to LAX to St. Louis through Dallas, right? Probably American Airlines, I think, goes through Dallas. And it uh, should have only taken three or four hours. But uh, what should have only taken three or four hours took uh, a couple of days. And so it was a pretty, uh, a pretty long adventure. And so when I was flying from LA and we went to Dallas, There was a big thunderstorm, you know, big storm of the century, one of those. Uh, Sideways rain, lightning, um, uh, high winds, tornado watches. And so all of the flights, when I got there in the late afternoon or early evening, all of the flights were were canceled. So I thought, okay, well, I'm a flexible guy. I'm not really a flexible guy. (laughs) I like things planned out. And especially when it comes to travel, no surprises, right? Get from point A to point B. And, um, but I thought, okay, I'll find a place to stay. And I'll come back to the airport the next morning, catch another flight, and then be at Saint, in St. Louis the, before the conference starts in the, the next afternoon. So I come to the airport. I go to the airport the next day. And I spend the entire day sitting in the airport. And they booked me on the earliest flight. And that gets canceled because of the weather. And every flight after that, every successive flight was canceled. So I sat in the airport all day. And by the time the last flight of the day was canceled, it was 9 o'clock at night. So I was still in Dallas. I didn't have my luggage. I didn't have a place to stay, and uh, the conference had already started in St. Louis, and the, thor- the storm was still raging, and so I didn't, I didn't know what to do. Um, this morning, we're going to look at a passage in Acts 16 where God does some serious blocking and some serious rerouting of the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys, and, uh, and, and she, already, she already brought it up that on his second missionary journey, Paul was going through and around the Mediterranean. And we'll look more at that. But we'll see that God blocked and rerouted Paul. And we'll see that God is purposeful, though, in what he does. And then if we have time, I'll let you know what happens to, what happened to my adventure. <laughs> um, let's, let's ask the Lord to, to bless our time this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, we come from different places. We all have different needs. And uh, Lord, we know that you, uh, you see each one of us and you care for each one of us. And I don't know what the message has, Lord, for each person individually, but you do. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning. And uh, grow in our hearts, Lord, and most of us draw us closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So just, just to um, talk a little bit about the end of Acts 15, the end of Acts f- 15, the Apostle Paul, he plans his second missionary journey. So you'll recall that Paul used to be Saul, right? Some of you know that he used to be Saul. He was a Pharisee that zealously persecuted Christians. He persecuted the church, and we saw that earlier in Acts. But in chapter 9, he is confronted and he's blinded by the risen Christ. Jesus blinds him on the road to Damascus, at which point he turns his life over to Jesus. And he eventually becomes one of the biggest champions of the faith. He brings many to Christ. He is focused on sharing and being a minister of the gospel. And he, he he plants churches across the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And toward the end of chapter fifteen, Paul says, Hey, I want to revisit these churches. I want to go back and encourage the believers and strengthen them. And so in verse forty-one of chapter fifteen, it says that he and Silas traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This morning, I'd like to focus then, that brings us to chapter 16, and I'd like to focus on two parts of chapter 16. This is verses 6 through 12, and then 22 through 34. So let me read that. It says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. Then in verse 22, it says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. So as I studied these two passages this week, something that became increasingly clear to me is that what's happening here is God-directed. It's totally God-directed. Another way of saying it is the story that's being written, that's being played out here, is God's story. Pastor Corey said it a couple of weeks ago that the book we've been studying is called Acts of the Apostles. But really it's the acts of the holy spirit if for a moment the apostle paul thought he was in control in control of his schedule in control of where he goes in control of his freedom what happens in these what happened in these two passages should have dispelled that notion pretty quickly paul was not in control now, I thought it would help if we looked uh, a little bit at a, at a map. And this is a map of Paul's journey. So it's, again, like I said, it's a little bit of what Shiori was pointing out as well. Because this is Paul's second missionary journey. So this is new to me. Let me use this. But, um, so Paul starts out down down here, right, in this down here is Israel, is Judea, Judea, I'm sorry, here ju- and Jerusalem. And he has planted churches in Syria and Cilicia in these areas in his first journey. And like I said, he wants to go and he wants to strengthen the churches and encourage them. So he goes, he and Silas go from here to there. And then it says in. Um, Verse 6 of chapter 16, they go into the region of Phrygia and Galatia. And so you see here it says Galatia. So this green part all here is Galatia. And then Phrygia, as I understand it, is kind of this southern part over here. So they go to this area of Phrygia and Galatia. One thing I wanted to point out was Shiori had mentioned the Chung's who are serving in Ankara, Turkey. That's right here. It's actually even listed This is Ankara, Turkey. I just point that out because I think it is so cool how we, our little church here in West Covina, could have a reach and an influence spreading the gospel through the missionaries that we support in a place that used to be Galatia, in a place that we read about in the Bible, that our church today... Serves and supports people reaching the gospel here in Turkey, which is modern. All of this is modern-day Turkey now. Um, after the Apostle Paul and the team travel through Phrygia and Galatia, this is where the Holy Spirit really starts to assert Himself. We read in verse six; it says that the Holy Spirit kept them from going to, uh, from preaching in the province of Asia. So you see this says Asia right here. This is the province of Asia. It's not the continent, not to be mistaken with the continent of Asia, which is right all up here. Um, but this province named Asia, they want to preach in Asia, but the Holy Spirit blocks them. And so they're traveling, traveling. And then in verse 7, it says, they want to preach or they want to go to Bithynia. See this says Bithynia. They want to go north. So first they want to go south, and then they want to go north. And it says the Spirit of Jesus blocks that as well. So the Spirit of Jesus really is driving them. The Holy Spirit is driving them to, here it says uh, later in the passage, to Troas. This is where Troas is. Okay, In Troas, Paul receives a vision. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he receives a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, Come, please help us. So they're driven from here to there, and in Troas then he receives the vision, and Paul and Silas, then they sail up to Macedonia, and that's up here, and that's where Philippi is. Um, so that's, so I, I find that very interesting, how clearly it shows that God is directing them how God is setting their course and their path. Basically, God ushered them through this region from here to here. I'm sorry, from here, really all the way to here without them being able to to minister and to preach the gospel. And it's a distance of like 500 miles or so, probably 40 days or so of traveling by foot, right? Looking to go left, looking to go right, looking to go to Asia or Bithynia, and God blocking the way. Now, it's not completely clear why God directed Paul to Macedonia at this specific time, but I want us to see that it is clearly God's plan. It's not Paul's. If it were up to Paul and the group, right, they would have gone into Asia or Bithynia and spent time there. And I don't know if that would have been wrong, but I know that it wouldn't have been what God wanted. Sometimes I think in our own lives, our own personal lives, we're faced with decisions. Decisions about work or church or family or relationships. Often I don't think it's a question of right or wrong. It's a question of, are we open to hearing God? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit if he wants to direct us? In hindsight, history tells us that this was a very important point in the spread of the gospel because it, rep- it represents the introduction of the gospel into Europe. So um, on the map, just one more time, guys, on the map here, when they go from here all the way to Troas, and then called the sail to Macedonia. This part of Macedonia is northern Greece. And it is where the gospel first enters into Europe. So we know that it's significant, it's significant in the spread of Christianity. Understanding and believing that God is the one writing the story. And I'm not just talking about Acts, but I'm talking about all of Scripture talking about the whole of human history, when we understand that God is writing the story, this should give us perspective on who God is and who we are. As believers, knowing that God is in control of our comings and goings in life and that we are not in control, This is an important truth for us to grasp. Another key principle that I see that stems from knowing that this is God's story is that God opens and closes doors for his purposes, not ours. The Holy Spirit clearly opened and closed doors in leading Paul to Macedonia straight through, and if we're honest, he's mostly closing doors, right? And sometimes that's what God does. He closes doors. I feel like I've experienced that in my own life in, in recent years, seeking the Lord's calling for vocation, for career, for direction. And I tried to do what I think God tried to do what I thought God wanted me to do, which I think is what Paul and Silas are trying to do. And yet all I would seem to run into were closed doors. I think I probably felt the same way Paul and Silas may have, frustrated and confused. And if you've had that same experience, closed doors, blocked ways, rejection from certain opportunities... It's, it, it's a very frustrating and confusing thing. Looking back a little bit, because I don't feel like I'm still out of that process, but looking back, I think God was teaching me what I would call forced flexibility. I was forced to be flexible because if I wanted to stick with God, there was nothing else I could do. He was blocking left. He was blocking right. What do you do? In a moment, that can be very disheartening. But I believe there's much to be learned from closed doors in our life. God taught me more about myself. He refined my understanding of what's truly important. And he drove me to trust in him more. In the book, Let Your Life Speak, Parker Palmer says, there is as much guidance in what the lord uh, there's as much guidance in what does not and cannot happen in my life as there is in what can and does maybe more he's saying that the lord guides us as much through closed doors as he does through open ones now i think it would be an interesting exercise in 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 small group or sometimes in the future, where we we think about our spiritual journey, maybe even map it out. And we take note of how the Lord has opened and closed doors in our lives to bring us to this point here today. Proverbs 16.9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course. But the Lord establishes their steps. If we look back at Paul and Silas in chapter 16, first the Holy Spirit closes doors from them preaching in Asia and Bithynia. Then they reach Macedonia. They're obedient to God's direction, and they go from Troas, and as we mentioned, they sail to Macedonia. And they reach Macedonia, and what happens? They're arrested and thrown into jail. Talk about a closed door. They must have been wondering, did God really direct us here to get beaten and thrown in jail? But they remained faithful. We see in verse 25, it says, in jail, they were praying and singing hymns, and the other prisoners were listening. They were doing ministry in jail. And then God opens a door, literally, right? In verse 26, it says, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jail doors flew open, but the prisoners remained. And this resulted in the jailer and his household coming to faith in Christ. And we see that they form this relationship with the jailer and he takes care of them. He helps them. He cleans their wounds. He feeds them. And soon Paul and Silas are released at the end of chapter 16 and the door was open again for them to continue preaching God's word. So a second principle which stems from knowing that this is God's story is that God is purposeful. He is on a mission to glorify his son and to advance his kingdom upon the earth. This is the story that he's writing. And in his sovereign power, God uses everything to accomplish that goal. Just think about the Middle East, for example. Think about how strategically it sits at the intersection of Europe of Asia, and of Africa. What a key place for Christianity to be born and then to spread. Let's consider how the gospel spread here in Acts, how it spread from Jerusalem. And this is a second map. This is the last map, I promise you. <laughs> this is the second map. It's a little different. Where'd that pointer go? There you go. Um, this is a map of of all of the Mediterranean. Okay, this is, all, this is the Mediterranean Ocean, the Mediterranean Sea. And what I want to point out is that this whole region, you see this green line up here and it goes off and comes down. This whole area is part of the Roman Empire when Paul and Silas are doing their missionaries' journeys. Um, so the other map, all we did was look up to about this part right here, this side over, eastern, the eastern Mediterranean This whole area, again, is ruled by the Roman Empire. In fact, the Romans called the Mediterranean Sea, Mare Nostrum, which meant our sea. They owned it. We know, I think, probably that the, the Roman Empire was even larger than this, right? but this is the area we want to talk about today. They owned the Mediterranean. Roman sailing vessels and commercial ports dominated the Mediterranean the Romans, they also developed, as you see, since they, this is their empire, they developed an advanced system of highways all around the coastline and all around and some inland in, the, in this whole area. Um, so they, they developed advanced highways and roadways during their time. A lot of it, as I understand, was probably there from the Greek Empire whom they conquered uh, a bit earlier okay so they had advanced systems they owned the Mediterranean they had sailing vessels and these roads were built and these um, these these uh, waterways were built primarily for military purposes but they were also used for commercial purposes now taking it back to scripture I find it fascinating how this infrastructure which allowed for access and influence and it brought people together because they had the highways and the ports. How this was developed just in time for the spread of the gospel. Just in time where the Roman Empire developed this and Paul goes on his mission, missionary journeys. It was these roads and waterways that Paul and the other apostles used to travel to various towns to preach the gospel. In addition, although the formal language of the Roman Empire was Latin, it just so happens it really wasn't imposed on the people. And so what happened was again, kind of as a holdover from the Greek Empire, Koine Greek was the common language in the whole region. Koine Greek, maybe not down here, I'm sorry, in Africa, but in this area, Koine Greek was the language mostly spoken. This made communication easier for business and things like that for the Roman Empire, but what it did was it opened the way for the spread of the gospel and the teaching of the word of God throughout the region because there wasn't a huge language barrier They could communicate the word of God from city to city and region to region in a fairly easy way. It enabled Christianity to spread from its small roots just here in Israel and Jerusalem. It enabled Christianity to spread throughout the Roman Empire, throughout the Mediterranean. And when the New Testament was eventually written, it was written in greek so just the just the simple look back in history and what transpired over a period of time can you see how the hand of god is at work and how purposeful and how resourceful god is the prophet isaiah says in isaiah 14 26 and 27 This is the plan determined for the whole world. This is the hand stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? The third and final purpose that I see, which stems from knowing that this is God's story, is that we are made for his purpose. God created us with an end in mind. It's what's called a teleological plan. A cool word, but it means creating something with an end in mind for a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You and I have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God purposed in advance for us to do. As followers of Christ, our purpose is to carry out Jesus' ministry, right? To love God, to share his word, to make disciples, and to love and bless others. But how we do that, it looks different in each of our lives because God did not mass-produce us He designed each of us creatively and uniquely. And as it said in Ephesians 2.10, you are God's handiwork. You are special. Psalm 139.14 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know what? Only you can do what God created you to do. Look at Paul. He was singularly qualified to carry out the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles around the Roman Empire. He was raised a Pharisee. He understood the word of God and the New Testament or the Old Testament inside and out. He was trained in the knowledge of God's word. He was also a Roman citizen. This afforded him certain rights and privileges and protections. He was a tent maker by trade. And in other parts of the New Testament, we see that opens doors for ministry. He was intense. He was passionate. We see that in earlier in Acts, when he viciously persecutes the church because of what he, he believes at that time. But now he's turned his life over to Christ, and he is as intense about serving the Lord As he ever was. God let nothing go to waste in Paul's life. But here's the thing his uniqueness, his specialness, is not any more special than you or I. God works the same way in the lives of believers today. Who he has created you to be, where you're from, your upbringing, your ethnicity, your language skills, your temperament, your education, your life experience, your giftedness, these things qualify you to share the gospel and to be a light for Christ uniquely where God has placed you or where he wants to send you. God has great plans for each, of un- each one of us, but it is within the context of his story. That means it may not line up with our own worldly goals or expectations. But if the Lord is directing our lives, our lives will be full, our lives will be an adventure, and I believe our lives will be a blessing. We will be blessed, and we will bless others. Let me read a prayer for you that was... Uh, Said to be written by an unknown Christian soldier back in the 1800s. And many of you may have heard this prayer at one time or another. It says, I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn humbly to obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty, that I might be wise. I asked for power, that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness, that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things, that I might enjoy life. I was given life, that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I had hoped for. Almost in spite of myself, my unspoken prayers were answered. I am, among all men, most richly blessed. Now that's someone who recognized that God works in our lives purposefully, but he works in ways we don't expect. As he did with Paul God wants to work in your life and in my life and to bless us richly. But it is within the context of his story, his purpose, that he's writing. To finish my story earlier about trying to get to St. Louis for this missions conference, I eventually got to St. Louis. After a day and a half of sitting in the airport, I decided to take a bus and it was, it was crazy. I, I'll tell you more some other time um, or on the side, but it was crazy. It was a 16-hour bus ride. I left at like 11 o'clock at night. So I didn't have to find a motel or any place to stay that night, right? Um, and I left, and it, the, the bus drove through the night. It drove through the storm. And uh, it also, before going to St. Louis, it went to Arkansas and Tennessee first. (laughs) So, um, I finally got to St. Louis, but in many ways, I think of that trip, that experience as a metaphor for life. Detours, delays, storms, closed doors. But I did make it. I made it to the missions conference, albeit two days late. <laughs> but like the Apostle Paul here in Acts 16, Acts 16, I don't know the reason for all the detours or delays. But once I was there, the conference was great, and I felt like I was there for everything that I was supposed to be there for. G.K. Chesterton. An English writer and poet from the early 1900s said this, I had always felt life first as a story. And if there's a story, there's a storyteller. I think as we grow in our walk with God, as we become more familiar with Scripture and with His Word, as we realize that we have very little control over life's circumstances, I think we begin to see a larger narrative going on. That we're not solo actors in this drama of life. Our lives have meaning and purpose when we connect into the larger, grander narrative of God's plan. And so my encouragement this morning for us, for you, is to seek the Lord first to seek to understand his story and then seek to become a part of it. Let's pray. I've said a a lot and I just want to take a moment to be still, to be quiet and to allow the Holy Spirit to impress his words or thoughts on us. Lord, you are a great God. Heavenly Father, we see you as the creator God. We know you as the storyteller, the author of life. Lord, and we want to connect with you. We want to find our way with you. Continue to move in us, Lord. Reveal yourself to us and draw us into your story. In Jesus' name, amen.